Why, hello and welcome to the program Illumination. We come from the library at Sunset Lodge 369, right here in Santa Monica, California. The entire purpose of our program is to present all things masonry, whether it's our members, our leaders, our teachers, everything is right here featured on this program. What is most important is what you want, and we're honored to have you here with us today. What you need to do, get in touch with us by our, our web address, which is sunsetmasoniclodge.org. That's sunsetmasoniclodge.org, or you can shoot us an email at sunsetmasoniclodge369 at gmail.com. That's sunsetmasoniclodge369 at gmail.com. Dot com. And once again, we would always love to hear from you. Just to let you know, we are here most Tuesday nights. We start at 6.30 with a meal, and at 7.30 we do whatever we're doing, whether it's a stated meeting, which is our business meeting, or our practices, or just getting together, or, 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 or maybe a degree, too. But whether you're a mason or not, please come by at 6.30 and have a bite to eat with us. We'd love to see you. Once again, if you're a brother, we'd love to see you. Hey, if you're in the area and you want to find out more about masonry, look us up, and we would love to see you. Today's subject is one, <clears throat> excuse me, I was brought to my attention by Brother Otto Carl, who is the secretary of my home lodge in Texas, uh, secretary of Pleasant Hill Lodge number 380 in uh, the Pleasant Hill area. Or, and he's he brought forth a rather long article, and we're not going to be going over nearly uh, that much of it today. We don't have the time for it, but it's so very important. It was written in 1963 by Dwight L. Smith, who is the past grandmaster of Indiana, and it talks about problems within Blue Lodges then which a lot of people think are rather new phenomena today. And I, it's, it's such an awesome article that I thought I would, uh, Brother Michael and I, to sit here and talk about it. By the way, my name is Les Jones, and the producer and co-host today is Brother Michael Wombach. And we'll be going over a few of the things here. The first, it's the article has to be at least 40, 45 pages long, so... Of course, we're not going to be able to go over that much of it. I'm going to try to just touch on points along the way. In fact, the first paragraph reads, The Wailing Wall is crowded these days. Masonic leaders, great and small, are lined up, each waiting his turn to lift his voice in lamentation. The figures show a fall-off of membership. Attendance at lodge meetings is not what it used to be. The thing to do is to adopt this project or that gimmick and all will be well. As might be expected, the projects and gimmicks are about as impossible as they are ridiculous. Have you brothers heard of this? Have you seen this? Have you thought this? In many respects, we think this is new. It really isn't. This is something that's been a part of us for quite some time. And he brings up, it's probably, number one, a faulty diagnosis. He said, at the onset... Uh, he's going to cause a lot of problems. And whatever attendance troubles our lodges may be having are not caused by television, cars, bowling, uh, non-togetherness, or any of the other busyness in which our restless society is engaged. 
The ailment isn't quite that simple. We are looking at symptoms, not the disease. The real source of trouble is within ourselves. And I think Brother Michael is there. What, do you have any opening thoughts about this little thing? Yeah, I think that there's a lot going on in, in masonry and has been for a long time. Um, and I agree. I think that it would be nice to see better attendance at some of our, our lodge events and so forth. Um, you know, there's so much difference as you travel around the world because there's no one way of doing things. Every country's a little different. Now, for example, in England, they, they meet six months out of the year. And if you don't show up without a damn good excuse, uh, you can be suspended from your lodge. So they're much more strict. Um, and you'll find that they, they tend to refer to a lot of American Freemasonry as McMasonry, fast and cheap. Yes. And I think, unfortunately, that that is true. Um, but I think that there are a lot of things that, that have hurt our Blue Lodges a little bit. And I know this will be probably controversial with some people, but so be it. My, my thoughts and feelings. Well, that's um, the whole point of the show, in fact. We're going to touch on, we're going to step on some toes. And I, I admit that. And, you know, I, I, I hope so. I hope we do do that. But go ahead, Brother Michael. Yeah, I think that um, the things that I've noticed, first of all, some history, I think, that back in the 1950s following the Second World War, Freemasonry went through this tremendous growth of explosion, as many organizations did. People coming back from the war wanted some fellowship. They wanted to, to maintain some of those relationships they built overseas. So they joined things like Masonry and the Elks and Knights of Columbus in record numbers, so there was this explosive growth that happened. And I think during that time, to accommodate all the people that wanted degrees, a lot of the teachings, a lot of the interesting stuff in Freemasonry gave way, and we just became degree mills. And I think that, unfortunately, a lot of what was good there was lost, you know, some of the teaching on the philosophy and the symbolism and the history of your lodge that used to be shared, I, I think, just disappeared. Um, and I've often thought that the Masonic ritual itself gives you a blueprint for what a Masonic lodge should be and the kind of things that should be taught in it. So when I joined the Lodge back and, and became Master, it was my desire to try and reestablish some of that stuff. So we created Salvatore Ambilando, our philosophy club, which we're now reinvigorating and reinstituting. Um, and the whole idea was to try and move in a direction where it was more than just degrees. And I think it caught on because I think that the Grand Lodge, we had several Grand Masters in our Lodge, saw what we were doing and maybe you know borrowed from us, shall we say, <laughs> in some yeah. of the programs they created, which have been successful. So I think that that was the beginning of of trying to change it. But I think back in those days, that's what happened. I, I've also, also often thought that, that people that got degrees back in those days never really got to fully understood what they had joined or what they'd taken. Um, and so I, I think part of the whole thing, I can't tell you it's a secret, it was because they, they didn't want to admit that they didn't know anything about what they joined. You know? yes. And so, yeah. so it was easier and less humiliating to just say, I can't tell you. Um, but hopefully some of that is starting to change. Um, and then I think that the other thing that's really kind of harmed the Blue Lodge is people that get their degrees and then they immediately rush off to join the Scottish Rite or the Shrine or something else. And don't we never see them again in the Blue Lodge. And the, the Blue Lodge is really the foundation of Freemasonry. This is your this is your base. And I think that supporting it, supporting the new guys coming through um, is very important. And I remember having a conversation with one Mason here that was visiting our lodge for a memorial service, I think, to a, a fallen brother. 
Um, and he was lamenting that with his lodge, there weren't really enough guys to keep it going and how, how challenging it was. But he said, but then again, I haven't really been there in a lot of years. I go to the wow. shrine. Yeah. And I thought, well, see, you're part of the problem. You know, yeah. You're not part of the solution. So, so to me, I think some of those you know, organizations, unfortunately, have detracted from the Blue Lodges in the sense that people shift their values maybe more towards those. And I'm not you know, knocking them as organizations, no. but I, I think that you do a disservice if you don't support your Blue Lodge and a disservice to Mason in general. So I, I hope that people will just kind of have their priorities in the right order. And, and then one last piece of advice, and I'll kick it back to you, Les, sure. is that uh, I know for myself, I've done the Scottish Rite and the York Rite and all these things, uh, but nothing makes me more proud than to look at my past master ring and to know that I was past master of a Blue Lodge because you can't be given that. You know, you have right. to earn that. Yes. And, and so, uh, you know, I had to put in the time and learn the ritual and do all those things and be elected and lead the lodge. And it, it was a real accomplishment. So I think that if you you really are serious about Freemasonry and you want to get the most out of it, you know, I would encourage any young person joining, don't shortchange yourself. Um, go through the degrees, stick with your Blue Lodge and work and become past master of a Blue Lodge. And, and to me, that is a real sense of accomplishment. So, And then one other thing real quick, sure. and I'm sorry I'm monopolizing no, your no, show less. No, that's fine. But, You're doing great. Um, but another thing that, that I, I've noticed is, again, in, in keeping with – I think the Grand Lodge has not always had the right way of fixing this problem. And one of the things they did was to think, well, maybe we can get more membership by dummying things down more. Yeah, yeah. So so we see these, and some states have passed these one-day classes where they have, you know, 500 people sit in an auditorium and watch the degree and then take an obligation and you're a mason. And, and they don't actually get to experience the, the degree. Um, they never get to actually physically take the degree. And masonry, especially in the Blue Lodge, is so experiential that I think just sitting and watching it, you know, you're not hurting masonry in the sense masonry will still have a, a good person as a mason, but boy, you're hurting yourself. Yes. And you're, you're short, shortchanging yourself on, on one of the most powerful moving experiences that you can have in life by doing it that way. So I, I hate to see this trying to sort of dummy everything down and, and make it more accessible, which to me, and it's also not giving people something to strive for. I think, you know, right. give people something to strive for. And I think then, you know, it gives them a bigger sense of accomplishment. But I'm going to kick it back to you, Les, and sorry you got me started. So, Oh, man, I, I love it. That's that's why I wanted to be a part of this. In fact, a lot of what I'm going to bring up, you you actually brought up. Like the next step is, is how well are we guarding the Westgate which, again, let's face it, we're permitted too many to pass who can only pay the, the initiation fee and little else. On every hand, we hear whispering complaint. We used to get petitions for degrees from the good, substantial leaders in the community. Now we're getting whatever. Just what they're getting, and you know well. Has Freemasonry become too easy to obtain? Yeah, Brother Michael's bringing that up. Fees for the degrees are ridiculously low. Some annual dues are far too low. Everything is geared to speed, getting through as fast as possible and on to something else. Now, I promise you, Brother Michael did not read this. It has a lot to do with it. And it says, you know, make it really cheap. What happens? And he brings up something that I, this is one point I really thought over a lot. Are we not worshiping at the altar of bigness? Let's look at it in the face. Too few lodges with those lodges we do have that are way too large. Instead of devoting our thoughts and energies to ways whereby a new master mason may find a sphere of activity within his lodge, we let him go get lost in the shuffle. Then we nag and 
and worry him because he doesn't come to me to wander around with nothing to do. We are hard at work to make each lodge so large that it becomes an impersonal uh, uh, group of strangers, a closed corporation. Uh, let's see. Yeah, And once again, what can we expect when we permit Freemasons to become subdivided in a score of organizations? Once again, I, I'm a part of the Scottish Rite, and I'm honored to be a part of the Scottish Rite. But the Scottish Rite is not my home lodge. I come here on Tuesday night. This is the foundation of what I do. And a lot of people look at, okay, that was the step I went through and give homage to the Blue Lodge, but now I'm on to bigger and better things, which is totally false in my point of view. The truth, the real truth of what you learn in Freemasonry is in the three degrees. It's in the fellowship of our brethren. And so I, I don't want to get preachy on this, so I, I apologize about that. Uh, and it, it goes on, let's see, uh, has it, let's see. Uh, now, there, there are not too many well-meaning brethren who are work, working overtime to make Freemasonry something other than Freemasonry. Honestly, if you're if you're a member of a Blue Lodge, what is Freemasonry to you? What is it all about? How do you fit in with the history of Freemasonry, Brother Michael? Does that does that strike a chord with you? Yeah, I think so, and and I think again, it, it sort of comes back to you know, I think that we have, I don't think Grand Lodges are going to change any of this, right? I think it's up to individual lodges to say this isn't the way to go. Now, in California, you know, they did try and pass those one-day classes at one point, and we wanted nothing to do with it in California, so we did vote it down to our credit. So that was a good thing. I know in Sunset Lodge, you know, we're trying to encourage people more to take long-degree proficiencies. And for those that are not Masonic, after you get your ritual, there's a certain initiation, there's a certain amount that you have to learn before you can go on to get your next degree. And you have the option of learning it either in a full form or an abbreviated form. And of course, you know, many people will choose the abbreviated form, which is that dummying down again. But right. at Sunset, we're trying to really encourage our new members to take the time to try and at least try and do the full form. And it's to their benefit, again, that they do that. And as, as I always tell people, uh, Freemasonry, everything else, it's much like anything else in life. You get out of it what you put into it. So if you just show up and that's it. Um, but if you make that extra effort, it's going to benefit you so much more. And again, the only person you're shortchanging is yourself at the end of the day. So, But I, I think that you know individual lodges are going to have to kind of really you know make this change to try and get back to Freemasonry, if you will. And to me, again, it's not just the degrees. It's what happens between the degrees. It's do we lead by example? Are we doing a good job of, as you said, being Freemasons, helping people understand that this is the, the, the bar that we're setting for how we want to see people conduct themselves and so forth? And, and again, is there really enough of that going on in the lodge? Is there... Uh, and, and, you know, we can call it preaching, if you will, but maybe preaching isn't such a bad thing. Maybe it's something that we need to look at. So. Well, Brother Michael, one of the things, too, I, I have to look to him. Our guest last week, Brother Theo, is a perfect example of what our lodge is doing nowadays. He, he came in, and he is becoming active from the start. He, you know, we didn't just rush him through a diploma mill, so to speak, to get his uh, third degree. But he worked at it. He worked at it. He came in. He contributed. And I think it's such a perfect model on, on how lodges should work people through the degrees. 
what do you think, Brother Michael? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there, there used to be a, a time where um, between degrees you had to wait a year and a day. Right. And that was mandatory. You you had no choice, you know, so you would get your first degree and and then you'd have to wait a year to get your next and, and so forth, you know. Um, I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to that as being a good thing. And I think everybody learns at a different speed. Um, I mean, speaking for myself, I was blessed with a decent memory. So in, in learning my um, – I did all my proficiencies in the full form, but I learned them all in about three weeks each. So, so I went through wow. it very quickly. And so I think from the time I joined until I had my third degree was probably two months, you know. And But I did all the, the work that had to be done in full form to do that. But other people are not going to have that ability. Um, but to me, again, it's what do we do between degrees? And are we giving them uh, enough programs that that year and a half or the year in between degrees is not wasted, you know, that there's something that they can be doing to better themselves and really fully understand each step of the process? And, you know, and maybe it's it's not a, a year is too much, maybe six months, fine. But, sure. Uh, and then the other thing I think, again, is standards. You know, do we pass somebody even though they don't quite have things right or do we insist that they, they, they do make that effort to get it right before we, we pass them to the next degree? And, and to me, I still think standards are going to be very important and giving people something to aspire to is important. And, and I'd rather challenge people to, to rise up and, and better themselves than to come down to their level, so to speak. And, right. and I think we need to do a better job of that in many lodges too. Real good. And by the way, I want to pause here for a moment to remind everyone this is the program Illumination from the Library of Sunset Lodge number 369 in Santa Monica, California. If you'd like to reach us, we'd love to hear from you. You go to our website, that's sunsetmasoniclodge.org. That's sunsetmasoniclodge.org or send us an email at sunsetmasoniclodge369 at gmail.com. That is sunsetmasoniclodge369 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We're here most every Tuesday. We have a meal at 630. If you're a brother, we'd love to see you. If you're in the area, please stop by. Or if you're not a Mason and you're in the area, please feel free to come by. We're wide open for you. We'd love to have a bite to eat with you, and we'd love to answer whatever questions we could along the way. We're speaking now about a, a little write-up, and I, I knew we would only scratch barely a little bit of the article, and I, it's really an extensive one. A big thank you to Brother Otto Carl, who is the who is secretary of Pleasant Hill Lodge 380 in Texas. That's my home lodge in Texas where I got my first degree. And it talks about, it was written back in 63, and it talks about things we, many of us think, are brand new. But there are challenges that masonry has had along the way. And one of the things he brings up is the cost of joining, of putting down and to start things. Back in the 30s and 40s, it says, it cost $20 to, to, become, uh, to be initiated into the three degrees. And if you look at, look at it from perspective, that was a lot of money back then. Has Freemasonry gotten too cheap for its own good? You know, people are, are not willing to commit financially to something as important as this. It's gotten to the point where it's way too cheap financially. They come in, they do one degree, it's not the thing they thought it was, and then they never show up again. 
and there's no commitment. There's no knowledge of what they're going through. I like what Brother Mike was talking about, about people taking a while between degrees. I, I really like that idea because many people who are master masons have no idea really down deep what Freemasonry is all about. And I think in being a part of the lodge and, and being a part of its growth and being part of its everyday activities adds so much experience. Uh, you give you the experience what Freemasonry is, and nobody, nobody can tell you what that's all about. I'm, I'm just kind of going through here. It's I've just mentioned some uh, $300, and it says here a century ago it wasn't uncommon for for men to pay what amounts to a month's wages just to become a Mason, and, and they paid it very happily. What do you think, Brother Michael? Yeah, for sure. Um, now, I think that there's a balance to that concept, yes. too. Um, you know, in, in some countries, in, in Italy or, or Sweden, perhaps, sure. um, certainly the Persian Lodges, it, it's a very exclusive club, and you have to have a lot of money to join Freemasonry. So there are a lot of very good people that can't afford to join. And, and I don't know if I want to see it get so exclusive financially that somebody sure. that's of limited means or that, you know, maybe materially, you know, becoming wealthy isn't that important to them. Right. Um, you know, can't become – in the days when a, a monk can't become a mason, I worry. <laughs> Maybe right. we've placed the emphasis I, too much on the material. But I, but I think you're that. also right. I think people value what they pay for in a sense. And and is it too cheap nowadays? Absolutely. I'll tell you a funny story. I, sure. Uh, um, I have a – I know my dad was – I don't know if you know this – was a, a sailor. He was a fisherman and sailed on tall ships and on fishing schooners and back in the 1930s and to the Grand Banks uh, of the Atlantic and the Bahamas. And so I, I got a um, – from his ship um, – a sextant for navigation and the book that went with it. And inside the, the cover of the book, and this was, I think, my grandfather's book, actually, from the early 1900s, it was $18. And my dad said, I want you to understand $18 was over a month's wages back in those days for that yeah, one book. Right. And that's why he took such good care of it. Because And so you're right. I think when people do have to sacrifice or, or pay a little more in that sense, that they maybe value it a little bit more. And it becomes a little bit more important to them. Um, but I, I think that we I – mean, personally, I'm a socialist and I, I like to address these things on an individual basis. Sure. And I think if a person's of an outstanding character and would be an amazing person to contribute to the lodge but they can't afford $500 to join, I think we need to be able to take that into consideration too and have some flexibility. But but by and large, I think you're absolutely right. I think most lodges, it's ridiculous what they charge to join. And you know, if your dues are $100 a year, I mean nowadays that's a couple pizzas and that's – all it is. And, That's really true. and so I think that maybe we could ask a little bit more for sure. I totally agree with you on that. I, I just think that people I just think that people have who have the means to pay, it's been kind of cheapened what it is to be a Freemason along the way. Uh, any lodge says here, any lodge large or small which experiences the joy of giving of itself in a truly personal act of charity discovers that it literally has been born again. One of, I, and I, I've spoken of this quite often. The three most important tenets of Freemasonry are brotherly love, relief, and truth. Now, we could go out and help people all day long, and if we don't have brotherly love, it's nothing. Within our lodge, one of the things we learn is to care for each other, to support each other, 
to let somebody knows, know that you've got their back. And that's what I love about the way our lodge is developing. I feel that from every member that's coming in here. I truly feel like they've got my back all the time. And uh, uh, case in point, uh, Brother Michael, you, you were a part of this meeting. We, I don't want to go into any details about that because it really isn't that important. But our lodge got together at a meeting and we talked about some pretty sens a pretty sensitive subject in regard to our lodge. What I loved is different men had different opinions and we held together, we took a vote, and we decided to do something. At no point was there any hostility in our lodge. At, at each moment, people were behind each other all the way. Whether we agreed with each other or not, that, that's not the point. The point is we were truly behind each other, and that's what shocked me. I, I, that feeling was something that I have never felt before in a group like that. Brother Michael, you were a part of that meeting. Did you feel the same way I did? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that, again, you know, one of the things Masonry is trying to do is to teach civility. And that, yes, we can disagree, and there, it's not always going to be fun. Sometimes you're going to have to make decisions that are difficult or controversial, and those things will happen in a lodge too. But um, but it doesn't become name-calling and, and questioning people's motives. It was really just good men disagreeing over a particularly sensitive issue and how we should handle it and eventually coming to a, a split decision but still a decision. And, and then afterwards, the, the healing process in the sense that there were no hard feelings that ran over. Um, by the next meeting, everybody was friends and there was no, no, no lingering dissent you know, yeah, over, over the issue, there. which I think is important. Um, now, in terms of actually you know, supporting one another, I know you brought that up, Les. Yes. That's one of the things I think Masonry never really did lose. And, and I, I think that that obligation to care for one another, even with the dumbing down, everything else we're talking about, I honestly think that never went away. That was something that Masons do live up to, have lived up to, continue to live up to, um, which impresses me. Because I've seen throughout even our history in the Lodge that when a member had a difficult time or something, how the Lodge would rally behind them and, and Masonry as a whole. And nowadays, that's you know, a lot of people don't have a support system. And for Masonry to be that support system, and it, it blew my mind. I've seen it so many times. But, but to me, again, that was the one thing that we still do well and, and continue to do well is that idea of supporting one another. So um, that's to, to our credit for sure. There you go. And uh, a final note here. Uh, let's see. I'm sorry. I'm just going. Oh, here we go. More than anything else today, the world yearns for that same kind of gentle healing influence at work within the hearts of men. The Masonic institution, which is sometimes looked upon with scorn because it does not operate in the conventional manner, is prepared to bear witness to the fact that the conventional way of our ages leaves much to be desired, and to stand upon its own majestic affirmation that the way to change human systems is the change human lives. And as the last quote here, Freemasonry has more to offer the 20, 20th century than the 20th century has to offer Freemasonry. And I think we've touched on some very important points here. And once again, you know, some people might not agree with us. And by golly, you're, you're, you're very much uh, allowed to have your points of view on this, in front of our points of view. We, we come together together. Different people, different men, 
from different areas with different ideas, and we support each other all the way on this. Brother Michael, do you have any final words about our subject today? Well, again, you know, for with what you're talking about, Les, the, the standard was who best can work and best agree, right? right. So that, that sort of is part of the ritual, too. Um, I know it sounds like we're, we're beating up on Freemasonry a little bit, but it's only tough love because we love it. Um, and I think that, you know, to its credit, I think a lot of lodges are recognizing some of the issues and doing a lot of good things to try and move in a positive direction. So I'm excited about the future and definitely our lodge. I'm very excited about the future yes. of Sunset Lodge. So I think that that's uh, something that I'm, I'm very happy to contribute in my own small way to. And, and um, you know, reach out to us if you're interested in more and we'll, we'll maybe do some more on this subject somewhere down the road because it's a fascinating subject. But... Um, but like I said, I think that masonry has a bright future, and and I think that I think that these issues are are there. But I also think that they're being solved as we speak. So I go. hope so anyway. There you so. go. And brother Michael, you are an anchor for us here. So thank you for for everything you do. Uh, I'm so glad to see you here. Uh, you're a wise man that helps our new members along the way. Anyway, it's been an honor to be a part of this. Like I said, we just scratched the sub. Uh, the subject just a little bit here, but I wanted to bring this forth today. This has been the program Illumination from Sunset Lodge 369. You can reach us at our web address, sunsetmasoniclodge.org, or send us an email, sunsetmasoniclodge369 at gmail.com. Until next time, we'll see you then. <laughs>